This is Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And your host on Ask BBB is Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Thanks, Jim, and good morning, everyone. So here we are at the end of August with the return to school just around the corner. College students are on the final steps toward their career, and we'll bring tips to help avoid missteps when we look at BBB's list of six scams to avoid. Sometimes we can use a little extra help along the way. When should you consider a tutor to coach your child? We'll talk to Andrea Dreesen of Sylvan Learning Center to get some insight. All of that is learning on the metaphorical road to success. Our first guest literally helps us learn on the road. Dennis Raymond is the owner of an instructor at DriveWise London, a driver training facility. Dennis, thanks for stopping by this morning. Thanks, Jennifer. Nice to be here. When we talk about people learning to drive, we hear two different terms, driver education and driver training. How does DriveWise programs address these two aspects of learning to drive? Um, I think I consider them both uh, the same. Um, maybe some people would think that uh, driver education is the in-class portion and driver training is the in-car. Uh, to me, it's, it's just a whole one program. It's, uh, it's just teaching the uh, new drivers how to be safe on the roads. Dennis, according to your website, the Safe Start Beginning Driver Program involves 20 hours of classroom-based learning. What is covered in those classroom hours? A variety of topics, uh, Jennifer. Um, we cover things like knowing the street signs, uh, what types of intersections, uh, how to handle different types of intersections, uh, like roundabouts that are popping up everywhere, uh, driving in adverse conditions. Uh, we talk about eco-driving as well. The price of gas is crazy. So we, uh, we try and help our, our students understand that uh, uh, eco-driving is better for the environment and, of course, their pocketbook. Uh, we also talk about the dangers of distracted driving and impaired driving, where actually we had a class uh, yesterday uh, and we make them uh, text and drive and uh, we put some drug goggles on them and, and show them that uh, the dangers of impaired driving and, and uh, distracted driving. Can you expand a little bit on the eco-driving, uh, what that uh, is? Some of us Absolutely. Might... Yeah, just just driving uh, just to save gas, uh, you know, uh, smooth acceleration, uh, maintaining consistent speed, uh, making sure your car is properly maintained, uh, making sure your, your tires are properly inflated. Um, any of those things that, uh, that go wrong can make actually... Uh, the car work harder, um, which causes more gas, which is bad for your pocketbook and the environment. What are some of the greatest challenges for beginning drivers? Um, I think a lot of the beginning drivers now is, is trying to get practice. Uh, parents are very busy. Um, they don't always have the time to practice with their children. Um, the, you need at least 40 hours uh, of practice before attempting a road test. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of the new drivers is, is getting the, the practice necessary uh, to be comfortable and safe. Is that practice part of uh, what you provide with DriveWise? Yeah, most of our programs are, are 10 hours, uh, Jim. Um, the Ministry of Transportation actually uh, delegates uh, what type of programs we can have. And it's the minimum is 10 hours of in-car so they can be certified with the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, we do offer, uh, obviously, uh, additional lessons if needed. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's practice right now. I, parents are just so busy and it's, it's tough to get uh, the children out there driving on a consistent basis. Besides programs for young people who've reached their 16th birthday, does DriveWise have programs for already licensed drivers? 
Yeah, absolutely. We, we do a lot of uh, professional driver training, um, people that drive for a living. Um, if you're if you drive for a living, you know, you could drive 40, 50, 60, 80,000 kilometers uh, a year. Um, most people drive about 20,000. So if you're driving 80,000 kilometers a year, you're four times more likely to have an incident while driving out there. So we usually talk to um, fleet drivers about every two years, and we just talk to them about uh, staying safe on the roads. Uh, people become complacent after a while, so it's nice to talk to them regularly about uh, safe driving habits. And Dennis, do seniors enroll to refresh their knowledge before having to take an annual test? They should. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have to take the same test as, as a new driver that's going out for their, their G test. Uh, so they have to do all the same maneuvers, uh, the three-point turn, uh, parallel parking. And of course, uh, a lot of seniors, for some reason, tend to, to be afraid to drive on the 401. And that's part of the test. Uh, so they need to get practice. Uh, before they get, take their test. At what point as a senior is that required? Uh, 80 years old, approximately. Um, there's, there's a cognitive test first. Uh, and if the seniors pass the cognitive test, um, they don't have to take a road test. Uh, if they fail the cognitive test, they have to take a road test. Um, if they're in, the seniors are in their 70s and have an at-fault collision, uh, they may require a road test as well. In your experience, what is the hardest thing to teach any driver? Confidence. Um, a lot of drivers have, uh, a lot of young people now have driver-related anxiety. Um, and it's trying to teach them confidence. Um, nervous, anxious drivers are not thinking about making uh, driving decisions. They're just in panic mode all the time. So trying to get the, the new drivers uh, to be confident. Uh, and the only way to do that is with practice. Dennis, you mentioned uh, young people or and older people concerned about driving on the highways. What are some of the basics of learning to drive on the high speed controlled access highways? And what are some of the common errors people would make in high volume multi-lane highways? I think what the new drivers especially fear the most is merging on a freeway. Um, however, you know, nowadays there's there's no more weaving lanes. Uh, I remember in the past where, you know, the acceleration lane was also a deceleration lane. Um, they were very nervous, they're very dangerous and, and made me even nervous uh, as an experienced driver on them. Uh, however, nowadays, the acceleration lanes are, are so long, especially here in London. Uh, there's plenty of time to be able to get up to freeway speeds and merge on. Um, some of the things that uh, uh, people do wrong on, on the freeways, though, is not giving enough space. Um, they're following too closely. Um, the freeways are, are built for everybody to go 100 plus, um, depending on where you are. Um, I live by in Strathroy, so the 402 is 110. Um, but I think a lot of people just tailgate and don't leave, give themselves enough time. What is a rule of thumb for how much space you should have between you and the vehicle uh, ahead of you? Yeah, minimum of three seconds. Um, and that's, that's in a, that's in perfect conditions, uh, any adverse conditions you want to have more than three seconds of following distance. Can you describe how you determine that three seconds? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take a stationary object like a pole and the car in front of you passes that pole. You count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, you're three seconds behind. And actually it works in the city as well. Um, so at, at any speed, three seconds minimum following distance. If you're driving in the city and someone is tailgating you, 
How should you handle that? Um, that's a good question. Uh, not speeding up uh, because they're just going to speed up behind you, leaving more space in front of your car. So if you're being tailgated, leave more space in front of your car so you don't have to stop quickly in an emergency uh, and you won't get rear-ended. Dennis, in your opinion, what is the most common fault of drivers on our streets and highways? Hmm. There's so many. <laughs> 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 the, the most common one, um, I, I would probably have to say it's speeding, um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's difficult because I think uh, people get used to going 10, 15, 20 kilometers above the speed limit um, and not getting stopped. So they think that's normal, right? Uh, I have a lot of students say, well, my parents tell me I can uh, safely drive 10, 15 kilometers above the speed limit. Um, do you really want to do that in a city? Probably not. Uh, again, on a freeway, um, you know, they've raised the speed limits from 100 to 110 on some freeways. Uh, that's a safe place to be. But uh, speeding in a city is, is, is pretty common and unfortunately pretty dangerous. Dennis, if people are looking to enroll in a DriveWise program, how do they go about doing that? They can uh, visit our website, it's uh, drivewiselondon.ca, or give us a call at uh, 519-451-9999. And can you share with us what BBB accreditation means to DriveWise and to DriveWise clients? Yeah, again, confidence. Uh, We try to provide our students with confidence, and the BBB provides them with confidence. They're dealing with a reputable business. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning on Ask BBB and letting us know how we can safely make our way on the road this fall. Thanks, Jennifer and Jim. Safe driving. Yes. Our guest was Dennis Raymond, the owner of DriveWise London. Consult the BBB.org directory to learn more and to connect to their website and social media pages. DriveWise London is an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating and carries the BBB seal, the sign of a better business. When should you consider tutoring to help your child? We'll investigate when we return after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask BBB with your host, Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. The new school year and return to class is just around the corner. Some children may need a little extra help to master their level of skill in reading, writing, and arithmetic. We are joined now by Andrea Deason, owner-director of Sylvan Learning Centre London. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. What are some of the signs for parents that they might consider tutoring for their child? Mm, That's an interesting question right now. After COVID, I think... (laughs) Most kids, I would hazard to say, have some needs after what everybody's been through. And um, hopefully we're embarking on a more in-person, normal year this year. Um, But one thing we've noticed, especially last spring, I was hearing from a lot of parents that kids had sort of got out of the routine of going to school. And this is a new thing. I've been here over 30 years. And more and more, I'm hearing from parents that my child doesn't want to go to school. And I think they've just realized there's an alternative. (laughs) Honestly, before COVID, it was just the habit, you know? So, you know, I think that's a, that's a red flag. If your child's not willing to go to school, there's a million reasons why that could be happening, but, you know, often it's, it's maybe confidence, discomfort with the level of the academics, maybe some social issues, mental health. There's so much going on. 
Um, but that's a that's a new one. The more traditional things we hear are um, frustration doing homework, um, inability to accept help from parents, or lack of focus either at home or in at school. Um, lack of, or maybe some some comments from the teacher about what's happening at school. Um, and you know, at this time of year, I'd say think back to last April, March, April. How were things going? And you know, was it smooth sailing, or were there some bumps along the way. Um, because at that point, we were all sort of getting back into the regular school expectations. As, as adults, we haven't changed what we expect from a grade four student, but yet that grade four student's been out of school almost two years. So um, it's normal that there's going to be gaps along the way. And I think um, kids really need extra support more than ever. Are there um, assessment tools that Sylvan has and remedial programs to address those gaps that have been emerging through the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. So in most cases, when students come to Sylvan, the first thing we do is set up an individual, what we call diagnostic assessment, meaning they come in, they work one-on-one -on -one with us, and we go through a battery of assessment tools. Now that's individualized based on the age of the student and the priorities. So it, it could be for a young reader, it could be phonics, reading, sight vocabulary, reading vocabulary, comprehension, it could be math computation. Um, but what we do is we spend some time getting to know the student, uncovering the gaps, and then we meet with parents and give them a written report and talk specifically about where their child is at, what they need for the upcoming school year, and um, how we can put a plan together. Besides helping students master academic subjects like language or numerology, does the tutoring process instill learning skills that will help meet future challenges? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is confidence. And I think after what everybody's been through, a lot of kids have not felt like they're sort of on their game. And so the first thing we want to do is meet a student where they're at and give them lots of praise and positive reinforcement. And kids need that from someone who's not an immediate family member. Um, so we want to build up their confidence, make sure they feel like I got this, I can do it. And then there's other things like um, study skills, how to study for a test, um, organizational skills, um, you know, focus, being able to sort of sit and take instructions from a teacher. All of those skills are really, really important when you have large class sizes. And um, again, if you've been at home learning on a computer, you haven't really needed them as much as you do now, <laughs> going back to school. Does Sylvan have programs to assist children with specific needs such as dyslexia or hyperactivity? Yes, I think, you know, what we do as a matter of course works really well with different kinds of learners. So what we do is we start at the level the student's comfortable, um, challenge them, but not at a level that's too difficult, have very specific learning objectives, with tangible rewards. So we have a token rewards um, program. So we tell a student, if you try your best while you're here, you're gonna earn tokens. So the student has attention deficit or some learning difficulties, having that extra um, reward helps to focus. And we might start in little small increments. Um, in terms of other uh, learning challenges, um, we use a mastery learning approach, which means we continue to work on a skill until we know the students completely got it. And then we move on from there. And sometimes that takes a while for, especially for students have learning issues and then, you know, students that have missed things. And then, um, you know, some kids just have lower retention. So we just keep at it until we know they've got it and then move on from there. So, um, yes, yeah, so the program works really well with all sorts of learners. 
On the flip side of that, some students may have accelerated their course achievements and advanced beyond their cohort level. How does Sylvan work with students who need more advanced challenges to remain engaged? Yeah, well, everything we do is completely individualized. So um, we do that initial assessment. We talk to parents. We sort of look at, like, what are our goals here? What are we trying to accomplish? And we've had students, you know, looking at university entrance and wanting 90 plus averages. So sometimes our goal is just to get that average up as high as we can. Or, um, you know, we do some SAT, ACT prep. So kids that are maybe athletes going down to the States, um, we're doing enrichment with them so that they can write the U.S. entrance exams. So, yes, it's everything here is really individualized to the, in the particular student. And how long do students usually stay in Sylvan programs? Hmm, that's... That's a good question because we some students will be with us a month or two um, and others will be with us all the way through their school career. So it again, it really varies depending on the needs of the student. But from a parental point of view, we don't ask you to sign up for any long term length of time. And we do provide feedback regularly so parents can make that decision kind of as we go. Can you share with us a little bit about the cost of Sylvan services and how people can contact you for more information? Sure. So the assessment, um, as I said, that's done by appointment. So parents usually call um, or email or text us and um, we set up an appointment. That fee is usually $150, but we have a promotion on for $95. So there, um, there's a bit of a discount right now. And then the tuition, the hourly rate ranges from about $45 to $52 an hour. And the reason there's a range is that we have different payment options. So some parents like to pay as they go. Others want to buy a block of hours up front or we have a finance plan where they can pay sort of over time with a lower payment. Can you reflect on what BBB accreditation means to Sylvan and to your families? Sure. Yeah. So I think it it really just reassures the public that we're um, committed to ethical business practices. I mean, our first priority is always the students and the success of the students. But, you know, in the end, we are a business and we um, want to reassure parents that they'll be treated fairly and honestly and that um, we have their best interests um, at top of mind. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing your information and helping us learn how we can get our students on the best foot forward. It's a pleasure. Hope everybody has a great school year. Andrea Deason is the owner and director of Sylvan Learning Center London, an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating. Search the BBB directory under tutoring, reading lessons or special education, or simply type in their name. You'll be able to connect to their website and to their social media pages. Coming up after the break, six scams college students should be aware of. And welcome to this final portion of Ask BBB with Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Jennifer, we're now just a little over a week away from the start of the school year, and BBB has some tips for college students so that they can avoid learning the hard way. Yes, scammers see the returning students are an opportunity to steal. One of the ways they do is sending out emails that pretend to be from the school's financial department. The message may also come as a text with instructions to click on a link where they are asked to log in with their username and password. And if you do, the scammers will have your username and password, and they could download malware onto your computer. So that's tip number one. Don't click on the link and make sure any interactions are done on the school's official website. What are some of the other financial scams on the BBB list? 
So watch out for fake credit card offers. Some of the deals offered are phony. They just want to get your personal information. So do some research and make sure you are dealing with a banking institution. Students also need a place to stay, but they also need to be wary of too good to be true apartment offers. Don't yield to the temptation to hand over credit card information to lock in that great spot close to campus. It's always a good idea to see the apartment in person before you transfer money. And there are also scholarship and grant scams out there. If you get a phone call from a company offering a hefty grant or guaranteeing that they can reduce loan payments, be very wary. Search the company's name online, go to bbb.org to read reviews, and contact the school's financial aid office for advice. And be careful shopping online. Here's a little homework. Check the BBB scam tracker to learn about current scams and to read the reports from students who learned their lesson the hard way. And there are expanded articles on each of those topics to be found at bbb.org. And Jennifer, that's our time for Ask BBB this week. If you have any comments on what you've heard on today's program, we'd love to hear from you. And if there is a subject you'd like us to include, let us know. You can contact us at hashtag AskBBB and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jennifer Matthews. And I'm Jim Swan. Remember, always look for the BBB seal. It's the sign of a better business.